in Matthew, the 25th chapter. If you remember last week, if you were here, um, we talked about, uh, I asked the question, maybe uh, even titled the sermon, uh, what type of witness are you? And spent some time trying to look at, um, uh, or spent some time trying to get your mind to roll that question around in your head. And maybe you've thought about that some this week. What type of witness are you for the Lord? Uh, What type of witness are you when it comes to standing for the truth? And what type of witness are you when it comes to testifying against the things that are wrong in this world? Um, And so this morning, kind of following along those lines, another question that I would want to ask you, I want to look at the subject of growth this morning, growth. And and you can ask yourself this question as as the sermon goes on, is uh, the question will be, are you growing? Uh, Are you growing? And I want to go into Matthew, the 25th chapter here in just a minute and uh, look at some of those things about growth. Now, growth is something that we're all very familiar with, right? Growth is something that uh, in a lot of cases in our life, it's something that we expect. And when we have situations where we're expecting some growth and we don't see it, uh, it makes us a little bit disappointed, right? It makes us start to question things. Uh, for example, um, you may go out and plant a garden, right? And I've seen some of your gardens before that are beautiful. You go out and you plant a garden and you plant peas, corn, whatever it is that you want to plant. And as you begin to watch your garden over the next month or, or uh, several months there, if there are plants in your garden that just are not really growing, you begin to think to yourself, you know, is, is there a problem with, was there something wrong with the seed? Is there something wrong with the soil? Have I not gotten enough rain? You start to diagnose why in the world is, are, are the, the plants that, that I have planted with an expectation for them to grow, why are they not growing, right? It's, it's a, you know, it's, it's normal for us to ask that. If you, um, you, you can even think about um, children, uh, if, you know, at some point along a, a child's life, if there are times in their life where you, you feel like, you know, I just don't know that my child uh, that I'm expecting to grow, I just don't know if they're growing like they should grow. And we'll, uh, we, that makes us concerned. And we'll maybe take them to the doctor and ask them about uh, their growth. Is, is everything normal? So my point is this, when we when we have something in our life that we expect to grow, it's concerning to us when we don't see growth, right? Um, you know, I've planted trees. I've told you a bunch of times I've planted trees across the place where we live up here, around the house and here and there and the other. And some, some of those trees, uh, it's amazing how well they've done. It's almost like it's super soil or something. I don't know what it is, but these trees that I planted when they were this tall, uh, are, it seems like they're 30 feet now. They're huge trees. But there are other trees, the exact same type of tree that I planted at the exact same time, they may be this tall. And sometimes I go by those trees, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Look at these trees over here. Why can't you be like those trees? I'm expecting them to grow, right? And they're not growing. They're just kind of uh, either stunted growth or just kind of stagnant there. And so when you think about areas in our life where we expect growth the concern that we have when we don't see growth okay now in Matthew the 25th chapter it's very easy in the Bible to find that the Lord expects growth from his children okay now in Matthew the 25th chapter 
We read about the parable of the talents, and there's many different applications to the parable of the talents, but I want to read it here just to prove to you that our Lord is a Lord that expects and is looking for growth. Not only is He looking for it, and not only does He expect it, He commands it. He commands His people to ever be growing, and I want to look at that here in Matthew the 25th chapter. It says, For the kingdom of heaven, verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. <clears throat> then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. He, made, he doubled it. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. He comes to them and says, let me see some growth. I want to see what I have given you. I want to have seen it blossomed and producing something. And if you read on in the passage here, there are two of those who did that. There are two that the Lord said, I gave you this and I've seen that you've used it to grow. And I've seen uh, then the other one over here. You have taken something and you buried it. And I'm very disappointed in that because I expected some growth from you and I didn't see it. If you flip over or I can flip over there for you in first Peter, the second chapter. It says, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So our God is a God that expects some growth from us. So the question that I've got to ask you today is, are you growing? Are you growing? Are you stagnant? Are you, is your growth stunted? Or are you blossoming with the things that the Lord has given you and growing in spiritual matters? Now, <clears throat> when we expect something to grow in our life, when we have something that we expect to thrive, there are two main things that we try to do for it. One is we try to give it the right habitat, right? And not only do we try to give it the right habitat, we try to give it the right nutrients that it's got to have. I've told you before that, you know, our girls, they, they deal with horses. You know, they, they like to barrel race and do things like that. So that's a big part of our life right now. And sometimes, sometimes we'll go off to, uh, you know, another state and we'll spend three or four days there. And it'll be, a, you know, a multi-day event type thing. And so uh, we don't go over there and have a 10-acre pasture that we can use, right? You go over there and you have to rent stalls at whatever facility that you're at. And so we'll take our horses over there and we put them in the stalls and we make sure we water them and we make sure we feed them and things like that. But a horse is not designed by God to be in a stall. Are you with me? A horse was designed by God to be out in the open where it can stretch its legs and run and eat continually all day. I like what Uncle Ball told me about horses, which I found to be absolutely true. Horses eat 22 hours a day and the other two hours they chew on the fence. And that's pretty much right. That's pretty much right. That's what they do. Horses were not designed to be in a stall for days on end, right? 
And so what we have to do, there are certain things that we have to give them. There are certain things that sometimes we have to depend on how long we're going to be there, that we have to rub on their legs to keep their legs from swelling because sometimes you stick a horse in a stall for that long, its legs will swell. Do you know sometimes that even kind of affects their mind? You put a horse in a horse that was created to be out in the open where it can run and stretch its legs and you stick it in a stall for two months. When you get that horse out of that stall, you're not going to have the same horse chances are. I had a friend of mine that said he had to send his horse off somewhere and, uh, and, and he was anticipating that they would leave the horse out and let it stretch his legs and let it run and let it run. But they didn't. They left it up for a long period of time. He said, I got that horse back. He just he was just different. It was almost like he, he was depressed. He was depressed because he wasn't in his right habitat. Are you with me? He wasn't in the place that God created him to be. You can take that into a million different directions. You know, you know when you go to a zoo, zoos are always interesting to me. You go to a zoo. I, we went, I meant to ask uh, uh, Tiffany and the kids where this was because I couldn't remember. But we've been to zoos before, and we went to this one particular, I think it was a zoo, or it might have been like an aquarium or something like that. And you walk into this room, and there's a room in there that is it's as big, it's bigger than this sanctuary probably. And it had ice everywhere, and it had, I mean, it was cold. And there were just, I mean, it looked like hundreds of little penguins running around everywhere. Well, they created that habitat for penguins because that's the habitat that penguins thrive in, right? You couldn't take the penguins and sit them over here in the lion's habitat and, and expect them to thrive. They would struggle, right? You see, in order for us to grow... We've got to be in the right habitat. In order for a horse to thrive, a penguin to thrive, a lion to thrive, you've got to put them in the places they were designed to be and in places that they were designed to thrive. Now, <clears throat> the Lord expects growth from us. And what I want you to understand this morning, because the Lord expects growth for His people, He created a habitat where those people can thrive. Are you following me? They created a habitat for those people to thrive, and that's easy for us to understand. I've got four children, and as a father, I want to create an environment, a habitat, if you will, that my children can thrive in. That's what I want. All right, now listen to me. If I come home staggering drunk and mean as a hornet every day that I come home from work. That is not an environment or a habitat where my children can thrive. Do you understand? If I'm constantly bickering and fussing at Tiffany and she is constantly fussing at me in our home, I have not created a habitat where my children can thrive. So as a father, I want to create a place where my children can grow properly. I also don't feed them styrofoam every time they sit at the table. I give them the correct things that they need for their bodies to be strengthened because that's what a father does. And in the same way, God the Father has created environments for us as His children. He's created habitats and supplied us with the proper nutrients for us to thrive, for us to grow. Now, let's look at a few of those for just a minute. One of the greatest habitats 
that God's people can thrive and grow in is the church of the living God. The church of the church of the living God in 2022, it is not valued like it ought to be valued. It is not seen as a as an as a habitat for us to thrive in. But you understand that what we're experiencing here this morning, as goofy as it may seem to people out in the world, what we are experiencing this morning is created by God for us to grow in. For us to, to, to hear the preaching of the gospel. For us to sing the songs of Zion. For us to mingle and fellowship with one another. All of those things are created by God for us to grow in. But if we don't appreciate those and we don't embrace those, then what can you expect? You can expect to be that little tree that I planted that, it, that I'm looking at is like, that's not what I was expecting. I expected you to grow. I expected you to thrive. Now, churches, and when I, and when I say church, you understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, 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 the time, and I understand church is the people, church is not the building, but our gathering together, and it's odd to me. You know, the Bible says that we have this treasure in earth and vessels. It's odd to me that the Lord would call men who are sinful and have the same struggles that everybody else has, that he would call them and, and, and do something in their minds and in their hearts that when they study the word of God, it is like a consuming fire and they're going to pop if they don't teach or preach about it. That's odd to me, but that's the way the Lord designed it. And when you come in here and we hear the gospel preached, it ought to stir something up in you that takes you to a little higher level, which requires us growing, right? Now, what's the tendency for us to do? What's our tendency is for us to grow a little bit as, as, as God's people and then just to kind of start maybe getting a little stagnant. Well, guess what? About the time I feel like I'm starting to get stagnant, here comes Sunday, Right? And it helps me a little bit and it sustains me and it helps me grow. I wish we valued church more as a nation. I'm not talking about as an individual church here. I just wish we valued it more as a nation, right? What about fellowship? We've talked, Brother Tim has preached many times in Acts, the second chapter, they continue to the apostles' doctrine and in the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. God has created his people in such a way that when they interact with one another, they grow. You get that? When God's people interact with one another, even if it's not a spiritual conversation, you know what sometimes I appreciate? Sometimes I just appreciate getting to be around people who I know their conversation on whatever topic it is is going to be clean and decent. Don't you like that? I can sit down and talk with you, some of, some of you brothers, and we can talk about anything in the world. And I know that it's going to be decent enough for my kids to stand there and listen. And I appreciate that. And that helps me grow. How does it help you grow? Because it makes me want to be that person for somebody else. It makes me want to be the person that they say, hey, I can go talk to Luke, bring my kids. There's not going to be a dirty joke. There's not going to be foul language. There's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be decent. You see, God intended for us 
to be magnets to one another. You know that there, I would rather talk to the children of God in this world than to the wicked of the world that I have no idea what they're about to say. Have you ever been around people like that? In conversation, they get rolling and then all of a sudden you, you're just embarrassed about what they're talking about. You're trying to shuffle your kids out if they're there. I don't like being around that. Because there's something about God's people. You know, when the Lord borned us again, do you know that he gave us a special type of love that I've got and that you've got and that type of love is drawn to each other? He created that type of habitat so we could grow as God's people. I want you to think about, so that's the habitats, the church, the fellowship. What about the nutrients? What is it that the child of God needs to grow? To grow in a spiritual sense, you understand what I'm talking about. There's all types of nutrients. What about the Word of God? Have you ever sat down and studied the Word of God? If I could say one thing to God's people as a nation is that God's Word was meant to be more than read. Read it. Absolutely read it. I believe Paul tells Timothy, give thyself to reading. But it's got to be more than just reading. The Bible says to study it. To study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing. That means taking it as a whole and breaking it down into different sections. And listen, if I look back on my life, as far as my spiritual growth goes, I would say I grew more when I committed myself to studying and rightly dividing the word of truth than any time in my life. Studying has been a great, great nutrient for me as a child of God to help me grow. You say, I don't understand. I don't understand what you mean by study. Look, let me give you a quick example. When you read in the Bible where it says, as it is written, go find where it was written. That's a simple way to go study. The Bible says in Romans, the ninth chapter, I believe it is, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Whoa, hold on just a second. What do you mean by that? Well, for, for starters, let's go look where it's written. It's written in Malachi, right? You go to Malachi and you find where that's written. Well, then you can go study that word hate. And you can find the other examples in the Bible where that word is used. And all of a sudden, you've got a whole lot better understanding of what Romans 9 meant than you did when you started. And you've grown. The Bible says to grow in grace and knowledge. How do you get most of your knowledge? By studying, right? By rightly dividing. You take an engine and you want to know how an engine works. One of the things you can do is you can start to break it down and divide it up and see what it's made of and what part does what. The Word of God is a whole lot like that. Are you growing? What about you? How's your faithfulness to come to the habitat that God created for you to grow? How's your faithfulness to interact with the people that God created to be magnets for you? Are you eating? Are you feeding and digesting the nutrients of God's Word and the study of God's Word? I heard a sermon that was preached years ago. I just heard it within the last year or so, but it may, may have been preached 20 years ago. Brother Sonny Piles, I listen to a lot of his sermons. 
And he said something in there that really, really struck with me. He said, he said, most people don't come to church to think. Most people come to church to feel. And he said, the problem with that is that we need to also come to church to think. Now, look, I want to come in here and feel conviction. That's a human emotion. I want to feel conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want to come in here and feel joy. So listen, I'm not telling you to leave your feelings outside because there are things I want to come in here and feel. Sometimes when I'm listening to the song service and and everybody sounds so beautiful, sometimes I feel something. And I like that. But I'm not here just to feel. I'm here to think also. When you come to church simply to feel, that is a very, very short path to coming simply to be entertained. I want to come to church and think. Like another thing Uncle Ball told me several years ago, he said, and I hope I don't embarrass him, he said, sometimes when you guys are up there preaching, he said, you'll be over here preaching, and he says, you'll say something, that triggers my mind into something I've studied over the years. And he says, I go way over here in another pasture to feed. All right? You know what he's doing? He's thinking. He's thinking. Now, he may not of maybe in this case, the Lord blessed him in such a way that I triggered or Brother Tim triggered some thoughts, but he's been in the Word of God and he's been studying and it caused him to think. And he may have left out of here with a message from the Lord that was not from the pulpit. But number one, you can't do that if you haven't been studying, right? I want to think. When I come in here and I hear Brother Tim preaching or whoever's up here preaching, I want it to stimulate my spiritual mind. And that's what Peter said. You know, Peter didn't, and Paul too, they didn't do a whole lot of, boy, I hope you feel, I hope you leave feeling warm and fuzzy. They said, I want to stir up your pure minds. I want you to think. I hope you come to church to think some. We went to a, um, <clears throat> we went to an uh, Atlanta Braves game a couple weeks ago. We love the Braves. Keep up with them, watch them. And we watched that game, and during that game, there was just so much joy in our little six seats we were sitting in. We were hooting and hollering and acting crazy. We had our Braves gear on. We were just excited about it. Game was over. We just left feeling great. It was great. It was a good feeling. But I didn't do a whole lot of thinking, right? It was just kind of mindless fun. Church has got to be more than just a mindless feeling when we come. we got to think, and it'll be a whole lot easier for you to think if you've been studying and you've been reading, right? So God created an environment for us to grow in. And God gave us the nutrients for us to grow in. Now, what are some of the evidences that we're growing? One of the main evidences of us growing If you walk out to your garden, if you walk by the tree that I planted, if you walk by your children, what is one of the biggest evidences that they're growing? Is you can see it. It's visible, right? 
You go out in your garden and you, 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 uh, you plant something in your garden and you're gone for two weeks and you come back and all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, hey, it was bare dirt when I left, but now I've got something this tall. I can look at it and I can see it and I can tell it has grown, right? It's hard to see your kids growing sometimes. I don't know, some of ours have grown so fast, you almost could. But it's hard to see kids growing but you know what? You see somebody that you hadn't seen in six months and you've got kids that are in that growing stage. You know what those, they'll say to you? My goodness. How, I said it this morning with, with, with baby Sam back there. It's probably been, I don't know, four or five days since I, I've seen him. But I looked and I was like, my goodness, he looks a foot taller. I can see that he's grown. I can see that he's growing. Spiritually speaking, if we're growing those around us ought to be able to tell it. Right. right? I think back, and Brother Tim has kind of alluded to this before sometimes too, that I think back to maybe my high school days. And, and some of you high schoolers listen to this. I think back, probably some of the most influential opportunities that I ever had in my life were, was while I was in high school. And I usually didn't take them. Times that I had a situation where I could have influenced somebody in a spiritual sense and maybe helped them grow, and I didn't take them. Don't miss those opportunities, okay? But I think back to my high school days, and I would say, I would, I, you know, I would like to say that my parents were relatively happy with, you know, my high school years, and, you know, I wasn't a guy that was out. Uh, maybe doing some of the things that other folks were doing, but I was not a perfect kid. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But I know that I acted and did things in a certain way back then at times that people nowadays, if they run into me now, probably would never, ever listen to anything I had to say. That's what I know Luke. You know, I knew Luke when he was 14, 15, 16, 17, and they look at me now and they still see that same Luke. They're not going to give me a whole lot of they're not going to really lend me their ears. But if they were, and if they did, I would hope they could look at me now compared to where I was back then and see some growth. Now, they might say, well, he's just being fake. You know, I've had people tell me that before. You're just being fake. But I hope people could look at me at different stages of my life, spiritually speaking, and see some growth and see... He's grown in grace. He's grown in knowledge. Maybe he's grown in this or grown in that. I would hope that you could see it. But you know, sadly to say, occasionally, you know, Tiffany and I went to high school together, graduated together, had the same friends, you know, uh, all through junior high, high school. Occasionally, you know, we'll run into somebody from high school, maybe that we graduated with, and we'll spend 10 minutes or so chatting with them in Walmart. And you know what you can tell? They had not changed a lick. Their attitude has not changed. Their mindsets have not changed. They have been stunted in their growth all these years. And I hope that nobody would look at me and say that. I hope that I'm growing. I hope that you are growing in a spiritual sense. And if you are, one of the evidences is that people will notice it. Just like they notice their kids or their plants or their trees growing. Another way that you can notice that you're growing is that you'll, be a, you'll grow in some spiritual maturity, but you'll grow in a sense that you'll be able to embrace the comforts of this Bible 
and it'll get you through difficult times like you used to not be able to. Does that make sense? You'll be able to handle more. You know, I've got I've, the little trees that you've planted before, the, uh, or, you know, things that you put in the yard. You know, a good strong wind comes along and they might be goners, right? But those trees that have been there for 50 years whose roots run very, very deep in the ground and very wide, they can withstand a whole lot more because they've done a lot more growing than the little guy has, right? Do you know that the, 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 the maybe persecution or the conflict or the, the, the meanness that comes our way sometimes, do you know that I can handle that a whole lot better than my children can? Because I've had some time to grow, right? I've had some time to grow and to let the roots run a little deeper and a little bit wider. So sometimes things that might really affect them and affect maybe their, their countenance don't affect me as much. Chances are the things that affect me won't affect somebody else that's 20 years ahead of me quite as much. Because I hope we're growing. If we're growing in spiritual things, <clears throat> not only should other people see it, but we ought to be able to handle the tribulations of life better than we used to, right? Sometimes you see these, <clears throat> the Bible says the beauty of the old man is the gray head. And I'm thankful for those gray heads in our congregation because that's where wisdom is the most rich, okay? Because they've had some experience and they've had time to grow. I love the fact that when I come to church, that my children get to sit among the gray heads of the Bible. I'm glad that they are not separated from them because I want them, if nothing else, I want them to be able to watch them. I want them to see how the, how the elders of the church interact. And I don't mean elders as in the, the position that, that, uh, of, of preaching. I'm talking about the older people in the church. I want my kids to see how they interact. I want to see how they're loved. Count up, count up the percentage of hugs you get when you get here. I bet the highest percentage is from the older people, right? I love the wisdom that comes from having some years under your belt, right? I love to see the old trees, if you will, whose roots run deep because there's going to be some times in my life, there have been times in my life, I don't need to go talk to somebody that could be blown over by the wind. I need to go talk to somebody that's been through it, Amen. that's been there, right? That has grown. As we grow, you'll notice that others benefit from your growth. Uh, there's a, I keep going back to the trees, but they're such a great example. Uh, there's a couple of trees close to our house there that I planted small. I mean, like smaller than that microphone stand. And I've noticed over the years, maybe 10 or 12 years they've been there, and I've noticed now that um, birds are building nests in them. I planted uh, uh, about six trees, and again, in, uh, in the super soil, I guess. They were about that tall. And they were, no, they were not big around as a pencil. I mean, flimsy little things. You could break them with two fingers. 25, 30 feet tall now. Birds are building nests in them. They're producing acorns and animals eat under them. They couldn't do that when they were this big. Bird go land in that tree, blue, it'd be Charlie Brown, you know, the little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. But others are benefiting because they grew. And I hope as children of God, as we grow, 
that others will benefit, right? Now, I go back to my children, and yes, they certainly benefit other people, but I want to give them a habitat and an environment and the nutrients they need so as they grow, more and more people will benefit because of them. And that's the way God intended us to be. He gave us the right habitat. He gave us the right nutrients so we could benefit others. That's a sign of growth. Flip over to Colossians for just a second here. This one might hurt our feelings a little bit, but it's okay. You know, another way that we can tell that we're growing, and I'm speaking more children here, and sometimes we know we're growing because our clothes don't fit, right? It seems like, our, like you could just stand outside. If you have a baby, come stand outside our door. Our kids are growing so fast that we're constantly just more clothes. Nothing doesn't fit, doesn't fit, doesn't fit. Outgrown them, outgrown them. Their clothes quit fitting, right? As our children are growing, now sometimes I'll put a pair of pants on that morning in a while and, and my clothes don't fit. Well, that's my fault, right? I'm growing, but not like I need to be. But children, as they grow, their clothes don't fit, right? Let's read in Colossians for just a second in the third chapter. It says, verse 5, Colossians 3, 5. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which, into which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. All right, notice this. We're fixing to put off some stuff and put on some stuff. Think about clothes. But now ye also put off, take off, take these clothes that you have on, and let's put something else on. Put off all these anger, the cloak of anger, the cloak of wrath, of malice, of blasphemy, of filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. You see, the more that we grow in Christ, the more the clothes of the old man don't fit. Does that make sense? The more the clothes of our old man does not fit. And it says, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And in verse 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Think back about your life as you've grown in Christ. <clears throat> there are probably some things that you used to wear Now, I'm not talking about physical clothes. I'm talking about attitudes. The old man's clothes of pride. The jacket of pride. The jacket of arrogance. The jacket of uncleanness. The jacket jacket of covetousness and idolatry. Maybe those are things that you used to wear. And as you've grown in grace, you may go back one day to try to put those things on. And they just don't fit like they used to. They just don't feel as comfortable and they don't feel as good and satisfying as they used to. And you say, I like what I had on. I like my jacket of humbleness. I like my jacket of meekness. I like my jacket of long suffering. The attitudes and the mindsets of the old man don't fit us like they used to if we have grown. 
Now, if the past 20 years you've been in church here and there and you've been doing, you know, reading the Bible on occasion, but you're still just as prideful and as much of a hothead as you were 20 years ago, you're probably not growing. We want to be growing, right? Because God expects it of us and He commands it of us. He tells us to desire that sincere milk of the Word that you can grow, right? Now, what are some of the dangers of not growing? Let's go to Matthew, the 21st chapter, verse 18. This is Jesus as He's walking. It says, Now in the morning, as He returned into the city, He hungered. And when He saw a fig tree in the way, He came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth, henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now, I'm going to flip over and read you something that complements that here in John the 15th chapter. <clears throat> Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. He goes on in verse 4 and says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. It says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. We are not talking about hell. Okay? <clears throat> how do you know that? There's a lot of ways we know that, but how do I know that right here? Is because it says, if any man abide not in me, it says, men gather them and put them in the fire. Okay? Men don't gather people and throw them in hell. But men can gather you and throw you into hell on earth, right? Now, what's the point of these passages that I've read is God expects growth, right? God expects to look at His people and see fruit. Fruit of the Spirit, right? God expects to see fruit. And when God comes along like He saw that fig tree and He doesn't see fruit, He doesn't see growth. And when He doesn't see growth, don't you think it would be concerning to Him and our human understanding? So much so that He says, I expected fruit. And let me tell you this, He says, the only way you can bear fruit is if you abide in the vine. Right? If you abide where? In the habitat that He created you to thrive in. God said, if you abide in Me, there'll be fruit. But if you're not bringing forth fruit... He says, I cast you away and the, the wickedness and the sinfulness of this world will drag you down and torment you. How many times have we seen that? You know, <clears throat> I know this isn't all that pleasant to talk about, but you know, we talk about the prodigal son. We talk about the prodigal son and his um, just wonderful, very visible uh, Return, and how great that interaction was. Do you know that that's kind of the exception in today's time for God's people? Do you know that you don't see a whole lot of prodigals 
running back and embracing the, the vine and embracing the church and embracing the study. You don't see a whole lot of that. You don't see that dramatic return from the, from the wayward prodigal person, right? You just, it's, it's just, it seems to be the exception. What you see more of, I believe, is the Lord's long-suffering coming to a point where He says, if that's what you want, and you've decided not to come back, then that's what you can have, right? Now, probably a very unpopular statement, but it's Bible, and I'm going to read it to you because as God's people, you need to understand it. We've heard before that the Lord says, and we say it a lot, oh, the Lord said He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. Did the Lord say that? Yes, He did. He did say that. And on, on the other side of this life and eternity concerning salvation, He will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Never. But on this side of heaven, I want you to think about this. Thus shalt thou say to the prophet, What hath the Lord answered thee, and what hath the Lord spoken? But since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord, I have sent unto you, saying, Ye shall not say the burden of the Lord. Therefore, behold, even I, even I, will utterly forget you, and I will utterly forsake you. And the city that I gave you and your fathers, and I will cast you out of my presence. All right, now, how do we reconcile that? On one hand, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. On another hand, he says, I will utterly forsake you and forget you and cast you out of my presence. One of them's talking about heaven, one of them's not. It's that simple. Brothers and sisters, if the Lord is you, if, 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 if you are the Lord's, and you've been bought with His blood, and He's known you from the foundation before the foundation of the world, and He has your names engraved in the palms of His hands, and your mind, He was, you were on His mind, and He saw you as He died on Calvary. Your home in eternity will be heaven. No questions asked. No matter what you did in this life, that's how great the sovereign grace of God is. But brothers and sisters, in this life, if you want to continue to walk day after day, year after year after year, and reject the Lord and turn your back on Him, will the Lord step back and allow that branch to be cut off and have men cast it into the fire? The Bible says yes. That ought to make us quake in our shoes. That God is a God of love, but God is also a God of judgment. And God expects growth from His people. And He says to Israel here in the, in the book of Jeremiah, I have all day long stretched forth my hand to you, but you're a stiff-necked and gainsaying people. And there comes a time that I'm just going to step back and let you live the life that you want to live. But let me tell you what the end result is going to be. The men of this world are going to gather you and burn you to the ground. And that's not what I want. It's not what I want for me. It's not what I want for you. I want to be growing in grace and growing in knowledge. And I hope that the Lord looks and sees fruit on all of us. 
And there's going to be times in our life that as we produce fruit, He's going to purge us. Why? So we can bring forth more fruit. Why? Because that's called growing. And that's what the Lord expects of us. Now, in Revelation, the third chapter, He talks to a church at Laodicea and He says this. <clears throat> he says, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. No growth. No fruit. And the Lord says, I, I created you to be my witness. I created you for my glory. I created a habitat for you to thrive in. I gave you the nutrients that you needed to grow. But you have not done it and you've just been lukewarm, not growing, and I'm just going to step back and let you have the world that you've sought after. Now, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that, the, that we have the example of the prodigal son. Right? Because there have been times in my life Every single one of us here that, is, that has got enough years under their belt can admit at some point or another we have lived in the habitat of the world. Every one of us. There have been times that we have not been as faithful as we need to be in spiritual things. Our growth was stagnant. We were lukewarm, living in the habitat of the world. I'm thankful for the, the message of the prodigal son because we need to come back to the Father, right? There are times, but now listen to me as I close. <clears throat> Do y'all remember the movie Free Willy? How in the world is he going to tie Free Willy into all this? <laughs> Nobody expected that turn, right? Remember the movie Free Willy, the, the, uh, the, the kid, and I, I don't know much about it, the kid and the killer whale, and they kind of be friend, become friends, and they're, I don't know, doing shows. I don't know what it was. But they used a killer whale in that movie <laughs> that for the most of its life, had been in captivity, right? And so after the movie was made, uh, there was a little bit of an uproar about, ah, oh, we got this killer whale in captivity and we got to turn it loose and all this kind of stuff. So they went out close to Iceland and they took this killer whale that they used in the movie and <clears throat> they found, it's called a pod, a pod of killer whales, um, a school of killer whales is what we probably call them. And they tried to introduce the killer whale into that pod of killer whales. They tried to put that killer whale, killer whale back in the habitat it was designed to be in. Are you with me? Back in the habitat it was created to be in. But you know, that killer whale had lived so long in captivity that it kept leaving that pod and finding its way back to the harbor. And eventually, uh, because it was not able to stay with the pod, eventually it died from it. And boy, that's a picture for us, right? We can leave this habitat that we are created for. And we can leave it long enough that sometimes it's difficult transitioning back into it. And I can, I can tell you I've experienced that firsthand, not myself, but with some people. 
I think people, the reason I mention the prodigal son is this, because I feel like people sometimes as they have turned and left the father, as they've walked into the habitat of the world, they have a mindset that, you know what, I'm convicted about what I'm doing. I'm going to come back into church. And it seems to be for some, there's this mindset that when you walk through the back doors, the angels sing hallelujah, the trumpets sound, and instantly you're back in, in the right mindset and the clothes of righteousness fit you perfectly. But that's just not reality. If you expect that, what you're going to find is you're going to walk through those doors because I've seen it happen. You're going to sit here for two or three Sundays and all of a sudden, because you've been in captivity to the world so much, your tendency is going to be to go back there because that's going to be where you're comfortable. If that's the world you're living in, if we're living in the habitat of the world and you come back to the habitat that God intended you to be in and you put on the clothes of the, uh, of the new man, Give it time. Just give it time. It's not instantaneous. Sometimes it's going to take a little while for you to see the treasure that's in this old church. And it's going to take you a little time to see the treasure that's in this, war, in this word. Why? Because when Satan's got, Satan has got a good grip. I, I, I used to know a guy and it used to bug me till as long I, when you went to shake this guy. Now I'm all about a firm handshake, right? If my boys come up and shake your hand and they don't look you in the eye and give you a pretty decent grip, you need to say something to them. I'm, my dad taught me, you know, you need to have a good handshake. But this guy, he would literally try to break your hand. And he used to irritate me to death. It's like, why are you trying to, I mean, if we want to have a contest, you know, just let me know beforehand. Because I don't want to walk away here looking like I, don't, I can't shake your hand harder than you should, you know, how boys are. But he'd come up, he would, he'd get, I mean, he would, and he used to aggravate the fire out of me. But he had an awesome grip. But he didn't have a grip like the devil had. Why is it hard to come back in here sometimes? It's because the devil's grip is powerful. And his claws are sharp, and they can dig deep. And you can sit here for a while, and that old habitat of the world will start calling you back. Come back, come back, come back. Say what Paul said, I think I said it here. Maybe said at another church where Paul said, I'm crucified to the world and the world's crucified to me. I'm no good to it anymore and it's no good to me anymore because I found the habitat that I was designed to thrive in and I've put off the clothes of the old man and I've put on the clothes of the new man and I feel like I'm in the right spot. Amen. Now, what's the take home of all of this? Brothers and sisters, be in the right habitat. Be in the right habitat and get the right nutrients that you need to grow. Because I would like to think if I hadn't seen you, if I leave and go somewhere and come back in 20 years, I'd love to think I saw you and I could see growth. I would love to think I would run into you and I would see how others have been blessed by your growth. I would love to run into you and see how well you're handling the tribulations of this life. That's growth, right? God has given us something. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us gifts. He's given us each other. He's given us this church. Let's don't be the person that takes that and buries it and doesn't allow it to grow. I hope that that's been profitable to you. If there's one more here who'd like to come part of this church, we'll give you that opportunity now.